The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Be it superstition or just an apparition, you suddenly appear inside my heart. Does this strange romance and Welcome to From the Bleachers. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy, coming to you from the wonderful Bleeding Green Nation Radio Podcast Network. Now, today, I'm recording this Tuesday afternoon. We have a special guest on, our first returning guest, Dan Campbell of the Wonder Years. Dan. Hi. You are, I guess, the first true friend of the podcast as someone who's been on here multiple times. Happy to be program. a part of it. Friend of the program. Um, you know, you said special guest, which made me feel very good. It makes me feel uh, like I am more than I am. So thank you for that. Well, I redid my office the other week where I just changed up, you know, the flow of it, moved some things around. It, it felt like it made more space and it optimized my writing and, and podcast recording space. But a, f- a month or two ago, I did pre-order that one year's came out swinging banner pendant, pennant, I guess you could call it. Yeah, the one from Oxford. As a, yes, yes, a very they have great stuff, Oxford. They're such a cool company and they've been like so unbelievably sweet to us and uh you know just like on top of being just awesome to work with and collab with like they just one day randomly mailed me this like massive like I would say it's 3 foot by 4 foot um we all we got flag in Eagles colors it's hanging in my basement and uh and just like sent like a, a Christmas gift and just very thoughtful company. I love working with them. Yeah. In retrospect, I wish I got the neon sign and I'll sh- certainly regret that for a while, but I, I am very happy with the Oxford pen and I currently have. Yeah, they did a great job with it. And the neon signs are also obviously very cool, but um, you know, you would not probably have it yet as we're having some uh, customs issues with those. So, I mean, they'll get to people in the very near future, but it's nice that you have your, your pennant up already. Yeah, I love it. And then I just bought a new TV over the weekend for some like sports watching and streaming in here that goes perfectly right next to it. Wow, you are all set. I'm a yeah. I have got some Frank records in here. Perfect. Yeah, my wife took over the office when uh, the work from home orders started, and uh, you know is still in it. So I work uh, out of the basement, which is also fine. I love our basement, so it kind of works out. Came out swinging, baby. From right here, but it's I'm in South Jersey now, so it's uh, a little <laughs> alternate. South Jersey basement. Yeah. So we've had you on the podcast before, discuss the Eagles. You're an Eagles 
diehard super fan. As we've discussed, I think that was probably sometime in 2019, going into the 2019 season. You had you on here. You actually came down to my apartment, had a great little sesh recording. But obviously, this past Eagles season, disastrous. And as this offseason has gone on, already a lot of overturn with the Eagles and their coaching staff and lightly coming with the roster as well, on top of having a top six pick NFL draft. Mm-hmm. What did you make of the last season, Dan? Uh, How did you get through that, it? How did you get well, through it? Here's the thing that I'll, you know, I've, I've said and will always say, especially about this year, is that like that the people that played and coached and worked for the Eagles this year put their literal, you know, lives on the line to do that, to like entertain me on Sundays. And so they could have gone, Oh, and 16. And I would still thank every one of them for, um, for giving me something to look forward to week after week, something I knew was coming on Sunday. And even if I thought it was going to be a loss, it was something that I could distract myself from like the dystopian present with, uh, and, you know, they took a big risk to do that. And so, you know, I appreciate everybody, everybody that was on the team, everyone was on the staff, everyone that came in from the practice squad, uh, all the rotating cast of players. Um, you know, I, that was the, kind of the way that I got through the season. Yeah. Okay. Maybe this was a bad week. Maybe it was another L. Maybe we're not playing so good. Maybe Carson doesn't look great. Maybe, you know, our team looks more like a mash unit with all the injuries piling up, but they're giving up a lot to provide entertainment for me. So that was, that was my focus. I try to stay on that beat the whole time. I like that positive vibe. And I guess you get your just desserts and the off season coming with, you know, you have a top six pick in the first round, second round, third round, so on and so forth. Obviously this team is completely devoid of young talent, as I like to say on here. And, you know, hopefully those top, you know, day one and day two picks can be an influx of, some much needed juice into this team, into this organization and breathe some life even into the fan base where, you know, me, you know, I've been very negative this season. I'm usually an optimist when it comes to Eagles and then ultimately a pessimist in every other facet of my life where every off season I'm amping myself up thinking this can be, you know, maybe not a Super Bowl team, but we go on a playoff run. You never know what happens in the playoffs. You win a game or two and whatever you're in the NFC championship game and anything could happen. You know, if you slug to nine and seven, maybe you win a crappy division. You squeeze in the postseason. You you know, you attend a playoff game, have a great moment that you remember forever, and you know, you just have that suspension of disbelief. You know, into December and, and even January potentially, and that's what I like to try to get out of the season. Ultimately, even though you know your team isn't going to win the Super Bowl every season, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's by, the by thing, October, right? my. By October, I was just mentally checked out. And then they had that game that went up to the, the Meadowlands and got smoked. I was like, uh, I, I'm out. I, I can't. They're, they're, they're killing me there. I can't, you know, have my livelihood on the line as I watch this every week. Yeah, and I think the the one thing that you mentioned was, um, well, two things that I thought were, were important from that was, one, yeah, like if you just are competitive – then I'm I'm all in, right? Like that's I, I don't need my team to win the Super Bowl every year. In fact, I don't really even want them to win the Super Bowl every year. I want them to be fun. I want them to be a fun team. I would rather be fun and get flushed in the first round of the playoffs than be like a boring, like kind of like dominant team. Um, you know, that everybody hates the Patriots, 
they're not always very fun. It doesn't seem like the players are having fun. It doesn't seem like it's an enjoyable like experience a lot of the time. Um, the thing that I loved most about the Eagle Super Bowl was it seemed like, man, these guys are really enjoying it. Like they're really there for each other. They're turning up. It's it's a blast. So, you know, just staying competitive and making it a fun watch is a huge thing for for me. Um, but the unfortunate thing that you mentioned was, yeah, okay, so not a ton of young talent. I mean, we don't want to say devoid, right? Miles is young talent. Mylotta is young talent. Like there are some pieces um, that you can feel pretty good about. But you're going into this offseason knowing, okay, we're going to have to kind of rebuild this thing. We're not going to be particularly competitive next year or maybe competitive, but those hopes of like maybe you sneak in and then maybe anything can happen probably feel a little dulled this time. And so I definitely am with you on that. Yeah, that was truly the magic of that 27 team where not only were they spectacularly fun and the fact that the run kind of came out of nowhere in the sense that there was no real preseason hype as them being this juggernaut, not even that level, but no one would, was thought thinking of them as a Super Bowl contender. They had finished fourth in the NFC East the year prior. They went seven and nine, so it wasn't like they were a complete disaster. And yeah, Carson was showed some promise as a rookie, but the fact that it came out of nowhere that they, after just that Jake Elliott game in week three against the Giants, that 61-yard field goal, they really took control of the city in a way I haven't seen with an Eagles team since 2004. And they just didn't let up. Not only were they dominating teams, they were rolling through teams. Watching the game every Sunday was a party. But the players on the field seemed to be having the time of their lives where you have all this, the group celebrations that they broke out that year. You know, playing like Torrey Smith, you know, playing baseball and Carson as catcher, or, you know, Alshon Jeffrey throwing a pitch, whatever it may be, to them doing the electric slide on the field after the turnover at the end of the Bears game, all of those things just bred this unbelievable euphoria in the city. And ultimately, that's what, you know, I feel like I talk about the 2017 Eagles in every podcast, and I'm sure I certainly will to the end of the time. But th- those things are what encapsulated that team for me and made it so special. And the fallout in the ensuing years only highlights kind of how far they've fallen from there and how unique that situation truly was. Yeah, because I think, you know, we've talked about this before a little bit, but Malcolm was always my guy. And when when yeah. you knew when Malcolm left, it was like, okay, that that team is now gone, right? Like that was the leader of that team. Maybe a lot of the players are still here, but that the essence of that team has left. And then with Doug gone, you know, it's really over. And so we're we're officially turning the page. We're starting a new chapter of the Eagles and and so you know, I guess that's kind of what we're getting into today is just like, how do we feel about how that's going to evolve, right? Yeah, Malcolm going, it, it was weird for me in the sense that they were proclaiming they wanted to get younger. And then you see them give up draft capital and give a huge contract to Darius Slay on the back end, who wasn't, you know, that much younger than Malcolm to begin with. So then you're left wondering, claiming they were trying to get younger, especially on the back end. And then they give, uh, draft capital and then a new contract to Darius Slay, who, why you know he was an above average cornerback this league, it kind of showcases how you know sometimes defensive players can impact a game, especially like cornerback, maybe as much as offensive talent can. And 
that leads to a situation where the Eagles were atrocious on offense this past season and inevitably finished up with a four eleven and one record. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, we, we all saw the reports in the off season that part of it was Malcolm was the leader of the team. They wanted it to be Carson's team. So you got to let Malcolm go to make it Carson's team. And obviously that didn't work. So that's where we are with that. Um, so I guess that brings us to the, you know, to the off season and the coaching carousel and everything that comes with that. Uh, how do you feel about Sirianni? It's vanilla. I like him overall, but if you were going to move on from Doug, I guess they didn't necessarily expect it. They didn't expect to be in a head coaching search, which is a, a mark against them, certainly with how this past season went. And uh, they had to realize going into their, you know, exit interview, end of the season meeting with Doug, that things weren't cordial between him and the organization. Things weren't going well. Uh, the relationships there between, you know, the triumvirate of Wentz, Roseman, and Peterson, and then we throw Laurie into the mix, seemed quite fractured. And if you were going to move on for Doug, I think you need to do something a little bit more splashy. Obviously, you know, they weren't the most desirable locale in this coaching search. They have a poor cap sheet. Uh, they have a question mark at quarterback between can Wentz resurrect his career. I don't really like the way that we discussed like, fixing a quarterback. It just feels like an unprecedented thing to be talking about. You have the hurt situation. You have a top six picks, which could throw another quarterback into the mix in, in reality. And then you just have a ownership and general manager group who just essentially ran a Super Bowl winning coach out of town. So who exactly wants to come here? You're not going to be able to get that splash higher. You know, they offered a job to Lincoln Riley. He certain, certainly wasn't coming here, despite how much, you know, the, the thought of Jalen Hurts could have potentially enticed him. Yeah. So what they were left with is they tried to, as much as they wanted Doug out, I feel like the hire was trying to recreate the magic Doug once had here and sort of a Doug redux here where they missed a guy. The way they held, when they hired Doug, they missed Andy Reid, so they went and tried to hire the next best thing. You know, they missed Frank Reich, so they went and hired the next best thing. His offensive coordinator brought him in and wanted to bring those concepts that seemed to work so well with Reich and Wentz together in 2017 with hopes to have Wentz recapture the form he had, which wildly will be four years ago this fall. Totally. It is an absurd amount of time. I think for me, I think that I, I don't have enough. I don't know enough about him to say he's going to sink or swim here, right? Like he's yeah. not the play caller. He doesn't have this huge resume. It's not like a thing where you can look at it and go like, okay, well, I can see what he's done, you know, without being like a film junkie. I can just kind of see it. Like if you had hired something like Anthony Lynn, you kind of know what you're getting into a little more here. I just kind of have to trust that it will be good. And if you wear midnight green, you're on my side. I'm on your side. That's how it's going to go. And so I'll back it. What I would have personally, my preference is to me, you know, football is an emotional game. I think about the Eagles the way I think about the Eagles from when I was a kid. And the the teams that got me hooked on them were sending Reggie and Jerome after your quarterback and letting Randall frustrate the hell out of your defense, right? Like that's the kind of football that I like to I would like to see the Eagles play. I want a defense that stuffs 
you. I want a defense that sucks the life out of your offense. And I want a quarterback who's going to run and who's going to frustrate you. He's going to be hard to game plan for. And I'm not going to say that Jalen Hurts is Randall Cunningham, but you have a quarterback on the roster who could do that. So I would have preferred to go defensive head coach first. I would have wanted Salah or Bowles. That, those, that's kind of how I thought about wow. the whole thing. If you're going to let go of Doug Peterson. Culture reset. I want a culture reset and I want a coach that is defensive minded and is going to bring in an offensive coordinator, maybe from the college ranks, that's going to scheme up some stuff that's frustrating. But what I want to do is just beat your ass on defense. Um, and so I would want that was that's kind of my like that was my desire. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying I know better than anybody. Obviously, I don't. And maybe Sirianni is going to be a much better coach than either of those guys would have been. But as far as like how I emotionally respond to Eagles football, I want stifling defense and like fast offense. I want a quarterback that's going to move. That That's what I like. And if we weren't going to go that way, I liked the idea of Deuce. I feel like Deuce earned it. I feel like all the players respected him. I feel like, I feel like now, and this is just conjecture, Kelsey's going to retire. But I think if you had Deuce Daly as the head coach, you might have kept him. Some of those kind of things where his relationship could be leveraged in a way to to deal with some of the players and and how the roster is going to turn over. I can't say that Sirianni is a bad hire. I just I don't know that. I absolutely don't. I prefer it tenfold to McDaniel's because I think like we talked about like the like quote unquote Patriot way is not the kind of football I want to play. You could tell me that Bill Belichick was available and wanted to coach the Philadelphia Eagles. And I would say, I don't want that. That's not what I want for this town. That's not what I want for this team. I'd rather not win the Super Bowl and be a whole lot of fun than win the Super Bowl and be this like grimacing faceless juggernaut. That's not interesting to me. And I think that dichotomy was, you know, not to keep going back to, to the Super Bowl uh, that we won, but when we came out to dreams and nightmares, the energy was palpable. And when they came out to what was it, Iron Man, Crazy Train? I don't know. It was, Crazy Train. And it was and it was just Brady, and he looked just kind of like angry and a little discontented, and like this isn't fun. This is serious business. It's a game. It should be fun. It should be fun. I want a coach that wants to win, but I want everybody to love each other, and I want everyone to be amped up, and I want everyone to have fun. So I'm so glad we didn't go with McDaniel's. This is definitely an upgrade over that to me culturally culture fit fit to the city definitely an upgrade but sala would have been my number one probably bowls would have been my number two i would have loved to take a swing at the enemy although if you're eric the enemy and you just saw doug peterson come here win a super bowl and then get ushered out of town i don't know why you take that job um exactly. and i also obviously would have loved deuce the thing that so you would have sorry go, go ahead, ahead i was saying you would rather no, get like sala and then poche graham harrell from USC as the offensive coordinator and play caller was kind of your ideal. Yeah, and I I would trust exactly, and I and I would trust um trust Sala to go find. I mean, as a guy who's such an unbelievable defensive coach, you got to understand the other side of the game, and he's got to understand who would frustrate him the most, especially with a mobile quarterback. That's the way my ideal scenario. You go into this season with Sala as the head coach, Jalen Hurts as the quarterback, and an offensive coordinator that's going to scheme specifically to what Jalen Hurts can do. Not again, not to compare him too directly to another quarterback. I know running quarterbacks are not all the same, but 
Greg Roman built a system for Colin Kaepernick and then built a system for Lamar Jackson for them to succeed in the NFL and to frustrate the hell out of defenses. I would love to have brought in a defensive-minded head coach and an OC that's going to scheme up Jalen Hurts in a way that's going to drive opposing DCs crazy. That that would have been my ideal offseason. That's not what we have. You know, now we're in this situation and you know, I have other concerns. <laughs> Yeah, I'm well documented as, you know, going Hurts over Wentz in the future. It looks like that's not going to be the case. But, you know, if the franchise was comfortable moving forward with Hurts and moving Wentz, you know, in early March, mid-March, I wouldn't have hated hiring Greg Roman as the head coach to also be a play caller and just say, hey, we want you to be Lamar Jackson 2.0, Colin Kaepernick 2.0. This has worked in two different places to certain degrees. Maybe it isn't the most sustainable thing but for the next two three years on your rookie contract want to have you being electric we're going to invest in the defense and get you another receiver or two yeah and i still think you use six for um chase or smith you know yeah i still think you need an electric receiver on the team um and that you're probably going to play i mean the tough thing there is if you're going to play that style of defense or that style of offense you need a couple of good tight ends and i think that earth is probably going to be leaving this offseason uh, kind of no matter what else happens, um, you know, you're going to kind of see an entire restructuring of the offense because you have to figure at at a minimum, Alshon, Deshaun, and Ertz are all gone, right? Probably at a minimum. You think it's, I think it's pretty likely that Kelsey retires. It, that's a that's a very different looking offense because then you're probably going to play Nader Isaac at center and the other one at left guard. I kind of feel like Mylotta is going to start at left tackle no matter what Dillard does. And then hopefully you get Brooks and Lane back on the right. Yeah, it's weird to envision an Ertzless and Kelseyless Eagles team after, you know, about a decade for Kelsey and, you know, somewhere between a half dozen and, and a decade for Ertz. I remember, you know, where I was when I found out the Eagles drafted Ertz. You mean all these different things. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I just, think it's just um, odd, especially Kelsey's a heartbeat of the might, team, too. Yeah, and we we saw what happened when Malcolm had left last offseason. It was supposed to become Carson's team. Uh, that obviously didn't really come to fruition. If anything, there's even more discord in the locker room than ever uh, when it comes to not even just specifically Wentz's leadership, but uh, kind of a rudderless ship in a way. And the whole Wentz situation, Wentz saga, uh, hanging over the locker room, the team, and the franchise – certainly doesn't help help matters. So when you envision losing a Jason Kelsey too, it only amplifies that unless Wentz can regain his 2017 form, which at this point in time, I highly doubt, this team doesn't even have an identity. No, and doesn't it feel a little like, and this is hard, you know, you don't want to like, I'm not some sort of body language expert. I'm not going to, I'm not, can't read the tea leaves through the TV. But knowing how the rosters reacted to him, at Alabama and Oklahoma, seeing the way that Miles and Rager reacted to him, don't you feel like Jalen Hurts is like, that's a leader, man. That's a, you know, grew up with his dad as a coach, could kind of be a coach on the field. I, I feel like that's a, he could be the leadership identity of the team. And I think the thing that frustrates me the most about the Sirianni hire is the, you know, the rumor. And again, it's just a rumor. Maybe this isn't true at all. But the rumor that he's brought in to like, quote unquote, fix Wentz, that we're, we're committed to Wentz because 
I think that this is the ultimate opportunity, the ultimate offseason to try to move him. And I know the contract is difficult and there's a ton of dead cap money, but look around the league. There is a very real chance that 16 teams are going to be starting someone new under center this year. Half of the league is going to need a new quarterback and, you know, in a bunch of different categories, right? So like teams whose starters have retired or are very likely going to retire Steelers, Colts, Saints. And then there's a litany of teams that are sure that they don't have their guy, right? Jags, Jets, the Bears, the Panthers, the Broncos, the football team, all pretty sure the guy that they want to start is not on the roster. There's also teams who are, who have a, like a quote unquote guy that are thinking about trading him, right? Like the Texans, maybe not thinking that they want to trade Watson, but I think they're going to have to, the lions are talking about trading Stafford. And then there's rumors, rumblings about the Niners, the Rams and the Raiders, right? But all of those teams, all five of them, don't have another guy on the roster that's going to step up. So if you traded one of those to one of those retired or sure they don't have the guy type of teams, you're just opening up a different hole. You're closing one to open another. So, you know, in my opinion, you've got nine teams that need a space filled and you have between two and four draftable starters, right? Obviously, Trev, obviously Fields, and then people are talking about Lance and Wilson as, as draftable starters. So now you still have five teams that that need to find an answer at quarterback. And there's some potential free agents that are going to be out there. Cam, Bridgewater, Fitz, Foles, probably Trubisky, maybe Jameis Winston. Uh, I, I just am sure that – I'm not yeah, even counting it. It's, it's not inevitable. Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah. But then Stafford is going to be out there, not just a rumor. They've – Agreed. They said they're going to trade mutual him, parting, right? A mutual parting of ways is coming where he could end up in, I feel like, San Francisco. Yeah, instance. but if he does, and no matter where he ends up, he opens up a hole in the Lions. So what I'm saying is I think you exactly. definitely have five locations, and you have a couple of free agents, but of any of those free agents, right, Cam, Teddy, Fitz, Foles, Trubisky, let's say Jameis Winston, I don't know if they're all actually free agents, but – you know, people that could get cut, people who's, you know, whatever, that that you think that they're going to part ways with their team or they very well could. I feel like you probably take a shot on Wentz over a bunch of them, right? I just feel like that this year there are probably more landing spots available for someone like Carson Wentz to get traded. And for the other team, you're not actually taking on that brutal of a cap hit because we have to eat it, which sucks. But hopefully you get something some draft capital back. You clear up a murky quarterback situation. You let Jalen play and find out what he is. The other thing though, is right now there's some plausible deniability about Wentz being cooked, right? Like you can, you could make the argument that to anybody, Oh, it's an aberration or an aberration. It's just one season. It's not who he is. You've seen how good he can be. The coaching staff and him weren't seeing eye to eye. The O-line was porous with all of, you know, so many different combinations. There wasn't an off season with these pass catchers. You could make the case that he could be good again, but if he's bad on the Eagles this year, you're never trading him again. There's no option. The opportunity has lost. So I would seize on it right now. I would, and that's, that's what frustrates me about Sirianni is I would personally would love, and again, if you 
wear midnight green. I'm, I'm on your side. I want him to go someplace and flourish. It's not that I'm rooting for his career to be over. It's not that I dislike him. Uh, I want him to go somewhere else, maybe to the Colts with Frank Reich, maybe to the Broncos. That feels like a fit, right? You could see Carson wearing those colors. And then we see what we have with Jalen Hurts. That That's what I would love to do. And I'm worried that we're not going to do that. And uh, then it won't be an outlier. That last season wasn't an outlier. That that's more who Carson is. And then we can't move on from him at all. Yeah, and in that situation, like, hey, let's roll with Hertz in 2022. You've already burned through two years of his uber-cheap second-rounder rookie deal. And if he's good at all in 2022 or in relief again of Wentz this upcoming season, he's not going to play on that fourth year of his contract at that, you know, one or $2 million rate, he's going to want to have a new deal in place for that. So in a situation where Wentz Flames are saying, well, we have Hurts, you really have one year to build a team in the modern mold of a vet-heavy team surrounded by a young quarterback and a rookie deal, which, again, just adds to sort of the mismanagement that, dates back to when the pick originally happened and I've grown as a Wentz as a Hertz fan since that pick obviously I was blindsided when it would happen I was wearing a Carson Wentz North Dakota State jersey when I saw the pick never wore it again and you know it's funny we talked about that too and I I was like yeah before the draft I said you know who I'd love to get in like the third round or maybe the fourth if he slides Jalen Hurts and you were like yeah that would be a great backup but in the second round, it's a whole different conversation. You're talking about him maybe starting. Yeah, you don't take a guy in the second round to, to, to sit on the bench. If it's the third round, it was it was plausible with you know Wentz's injury history. Fourth round, it's like, okay, that that's obvious. He's a guy who's talented. He's had success in, a, in multiple different places. You know, he seems like he'd be a great system fit. And you know, I always like the idea of having a backup quarterback who can make plays with his legs. He's not going to have a lot of rapport with the first stringers and. He has to come into a game mid-game. He could kind of just, you know, make something out of nothing and cause some chaos for a defense. But at the same time, you know, again, we said I, I loved Hertz going to this draft. I think he was projected as a, you know, third round or fourth round guy, maybe an early day three guy. But I liked him enough over several quarterbacks that went ahead of him. So I thought he was a second round quarterback, a guy who was maybe a spot starter as a rookie and someone who could flourish into an above average starter in this league. But when you throw him into the mix when, you know, I was still in on Wentz, definitely out at this point, it just illustrates another level of dysfunction that has been going on in this Eagles organization. And it only makes it things weirder now as Roseman and Lurie and the front office brass and the ownership group tries to do this again, quote unquote, fixing thing for Wentz rather than, just rolling with the guy they, you know, caused a stir for drafting, you know, what with a top fifty-four pick or whatever it was. Yeah. Well, and just the thing last is, April. I also know, um, and we won't get into to how, but I know that they believe Ooh. in Jalen Hurts. Like I, I have received a text message that says, uh, when I said, "Man, this kid seems like he can play," and the response was. This kid can really play. He's gonna he's gonna really mm. surprise you. So you know that there is belief inside the organization that he can be a, a, an NFL starter and a success. So I'm not actually even sold on the idea that they're not gonna move Wentz. Um, it's just kind of a matter. I, I mean, I, I, I can't I, I can't watch him anymore. I can't watch him anymore. 
I think that they're going to, I think they might, they might. And then you know, the other thing is, uh, I forgot to factor this in is that the jets, if they draft somebody at two, or if they trade for a Deshaun Watson are probably going to be sending Darnold somewhere. So that kind of fills one of those holes that we were talking about, but there's still a lot of landing spots, a lot of landing spots available for someone like a Carson Wentz this year. And, um, and again, I want him to flourish there. I want all of the success in the world for him. I appreciate everything he brought to the town. I appreciate everything he brought to the team, helped bring us a Super Bowl. All the best. I just don't think that it's the same team anymore. And I think we need to turn the whole page. Let's just flip the whole page and go into it with it with Jalen Hurts. That I mean, and the Hurts one thing about Hurts you're gonna say is it's gonna be fun. And that's what I want. It's going to be fun with him playing quarterback. You might not win every game. You might lose some. There might be some frustrating moments, but I'd rather it be fun. I had more fun in what? How many games did he start and like play the whole game? Three. Yeah, New Saints, Orleans, Cardinals, Arizona, and then Dallas when they lost. And if they had won that game, they still could have won on a, a divisional run. And I had more fun in those three games than I did the entire season up to that, to the half point of the Packers game with Wentz. And I think I'm certainly not alone. No, you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, You know, here's another question for you. What would you, is what's the price tag that you'd be comfortable paying if you could pry Deshaun Watson out of Houston? I mean, are are you going to? This is a kind of a salary thing, I guess. Theoretically, in this situation, you're giving, you're throwing them Wentz, thinking that you got to move Wentz, you know, yeah, because obviously you don't yeah, have the room for it otherwise. Yeah, maybe you're just saying, okay, we're swapping those two, but there's obviously draft compensation that would go on top of that, right? Yeah, and I don't even know. I mean, I'm not start. a cap biologist. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not. Oh uh, yeah, I'm I don't. Not, it's not like right? the it's not well, like the NBA know. trade machine where they're matching salaries or whatever, you know. Yeah, and I don't even know if you could do it because there's there's dead cap money that comes with Carson and, but actually, Deshaun's contract is pretty affordable this year. It's actually like shockingly low, like like would blow your mind, I think. And then it it balloons up, but only to like you know what a top tier starter is, and that's a top tier starter. I think that six is a no brainer, you know. I'm happy giving them Carson six next year's first, uh, next year's second, the rights to play the Rocky theme song at their games, Bradley Cooper. They can't have quest love, mm. but th- there's almost nothing that I would Action six wouldn't put on the table. Song. I mean, it would be really difficult for you to tell, for you to convince me that we would overpay for Deshaun Watson. I guess if you're talking about like, if Fletcher Cox is a part of the deal and some young talent, like you're also going to lose like miles or something, but I, you know, for a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, I don't know if there is too much to give up. Uh, and I think that it's going to be, I mean, I don't think that you could get him because I think that, you know, I think that at a minimum, the jets giving them two and Darnold is already more than we could probably offer. Um, but man, I'd love that. I would love that too. Yeah, because we might be even be viewing me personally. Wentz as a sunk cost in, in relation to his salary at this point, where we're going to trade Watson, trade him to, you know, Carolina. Why don't they make a move to you know the fifth pick in the draft and trade him there? What if Atlanta wanted him? Obviously, it looks like it's just going to be a situation where again we didn't even talk about Matt Ryan potentially leaving and that yeah. opening there, and they could, you know, I could see. 
you know, you follow that guy for Verts on Twitter. He's a he's a Falcons fan. He writes for US like for the win for USA Today. He mm-hmm. seems to be very in on them getting Trey Lance. So there could be another quarterback carousel addition right there. Where yeah, I mean, you're talking you about know, at this point more than half of the league changing starters. So it's going to be a crazy off season. I think that you can say that at a minimum. You know, there are, there are more teams with quarterback uncertainty than there are with quarterback certainty for the first time I can remember. And there's always a carousel, but 16, 17 teams, 18 teams that might change their starters, wild. And there's definitely going to be reclamation projects. People are going to think that they, someone might think that they can save Carson Wentz. Someone might think they can save Sam Darnold. Someone might think that they could save Mitch Trubisky or Jared Goff or Jimmy G. Like Jimmy G back to the Patriots, possible, right? Like anything's possible. Mm. Can someone unlock Cam again? You know, if you give Cam good receivers, is he Cam? There's, um, you know, a lot. I, I think I would be really interested in moving on from Carson, bringing Cam in to back up and mentor Hertz if that was a thing that Cam was interested in. You know, that's a great duo. Wouldn't hate it. I kind of want Carolina to end up, not want Carolina, I should say, to end up with Watson, prefer Watson to stay in the AFC. But it seems like a team that you'd obviously have to surrender a lot of draft capital to get Watson. The fear that would be that you're putting him in a situation that isn't entirely dissimilar from what he is in Houston, devoid of, you know, competent skill position players around him. But if you're throwing him in Carolina with Matt Rule, with Joe Brady, and then you have McCaffrey back after missing last season, you have several good young receivers out there on reasonable contracts. Watson's contract is decent enough this year. I think they're going to have some cap space. They should, you know, they should be jumping on that trade. And they would terrify me as, uh, you know, New Orleans kind of takes a turn with, Without Breeze, uh, you don't know exactly what will happen with with Brady and the Bucks, and then you know it looks like the Falcons are going to be you know headfirst into a long rebuild here, where you know that could be a franchise altering in every regard trade if they were able to give you know a first and second this year and a first and second next year and then a twenty twenty three second or something like that for. Yeah. And I mean, I'm literally just making some of these numbers up because I never understand draft value. Sometimes it's like, oh, you know, Jamal Adams was worth two ones, right? Is that what he got? Or was that Jalen Ramsey was worth two ones? He did get two. Yeah. Jamal Adams got two ones. I think Jalen Ramsey got two ones plus. And then I hear people talking about like, you know, I understand that Zach Ertz is not the player he once was and the contract is what the contract is. But I hear people being like, Ertz. You're lucky to get a seven. And I'm like, what? Really? A seven? What do I not understand here? I, I think you I, mean, I don't think get, I'm getting a one. A day, but, you won't be able to get a day two pick, I think, because he, he's older. He had a down year. He wants a new contract. His contract is yeah, firing. But you think uh, you could get a late third round, like a comp pick for him, right? Like, otherwise, you know, you're going to let him walk and get a comp pick a, for that. Yeah. Like, but then you're going to, but then there's going to be a situation where he, he would get cut instead of just walking at the end of his oh, contract. Oh, yeah. Cause there's another year in his deal. Okay. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. But, uh, you know, generally. You get a fourth that can turn into a third if he makes the Pro Bowl or has 70 catches or something like that. And, I, you know, you really feel like he's not going to be on the team again next year, but maybe no. all of that changes. I mean, like, there was the moment that everyone saw Carson, Kelsey, and Ertz sitting together on the field in what felt like a goodbye, it felt like a last time. 
But, you know, that at that point, they thought that Doug was going to be back at this as the coach. So who knows? Maybe all three of them are back. Maybe we're looking at a very similar roster, you know, maybe Deshaun Jackson's back. Who I, I don't really have a guess at it, but if it were me, just turn the page right now. Let's just let's just get started on that. Yeah, they were listening to your acoustic album as they were sitting there on the bench, musing on the last five years of their lives. Just letting it wash over them. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tumultuous. It's going to be interesting. That's that much we can count on. I'm really excited to see what they do with six. You know, I think that are, are you in lockstep here with me that receiver is the way to go? Uh, I have a mailbag that'll be coming out. By the time you listen to this podcast, my mailbag for this will be out. I do a weekly mailbag for BGN, and someone asked me to rank my top three targets for uh, the draft. I have Jamar Chase one, but I do have Justin Fields over Devontae Smith if he is there and is available. Uh, I could see a situation where maybe the, one, the organization isn't as sold on once as we think. Maybe Sirianni wants his guy, his own guy, whether that relegates Hurts to a backup role, which I think could – cause a divide in the locker room. Maybe Wentz and Hurts are both gone, but to have a player of Fields' talent on a rookie contract and they were drafting him, you know, this supposes that Wentz had already been traded at this point and they're going headfirst into a season with, you know, Fields as QB1. We're going to get you, you know, a wide receiver or two on day two. And by 2022, 2023, as we're getting into the middle of your rookie contract, we're going to have a stacked younger roster around you to make a run as we did in 2017. Yeah. But if they go Devonta Smith, I'm not going to be happy. I'd be ecstatic to see him in midnight green. So as, as I wrote in the mailbag, I, I don't blame any Eagles fans that could be irate about that. Like I did a, I did a mock draft uh, earlier in the week where I took Justin Fields just because I do a mock draft every two or three weeks. I can't take Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase every single time. So you got to kind of keep things a little spicy and talk about different options. Well, Jamar Chase isn't there. What do they do? Stuff like that. Yeah, um, but then it's interesting. One of I the think those are a clear three for me. Yeah, one of the things that's almost frustrating to me about this draft, where you have this nice high pick, is uh, in my opinion, you use really top tier picks on only a couple positions. You know, you yeah. use it on quarterback and you use it on a pass rusher, and there's not really one of those sitting at the top of this draft, right? Like, it's a year where you probably aren't going to take a quarterback. And then who is the best edge rusher in this draft? It's, it's a bad edge not, rusher class. Yeah. There's not a really obvious thing. And like, if there was one, I would be lobbying for it because again, the kind of football I would love to see the Eagles play is one that gets your quarterback with consistency. And, you know, BG's getting older. Um, Derek Barnett was, uh, I'm never going to pan the pick, right? Like it really, really helped bring us a Super Bowl, but he it doesn't look like he's one of those top tier, you know, first half of the first round edge rushers. That's something that I really would love to see us get a hold of. It does not seem like it's there at six. It doesn't seem like there's the value there. I could see trading back, you know, accruing some more value and getting a pass rusher. Yeah, I don't hate the trade back uh, in a vacuum, but simultaneously this team needs needs a potent young player to revitalize the franchise and obviously the higher you pick the higher chances are of acquiring such a player and he may be gone he may be there but chase feels like that type of player where they literally just passed on two players who are 
More I don't even say not. it. Don't say it. Don't even say it. I'm going so to mad. be in the I'm hall of fame. Mad. Probably going to both be in the hall of fame. It's just it's probably going to happen. I you know what? They and need I'm, some, I was they need so someone mad. Else. It's like that. I was so mad that we didn't trade up for Ceedee Lamb. You know, I was I was Same. upset about that. But I thought, well, we'll get Justin Jefferson. <laughs> and you know, it just is what it is. But I think you are right, and I would be elated to have Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith on the Eagles. That both of those feel to me like can't miss wide receiver prospects and uh for a team who has often missed on wide receiver prospects um you know i mean what josh huff jordan matthews uh you know nelly obviously can play now he's doing great in oakland but you know uh, yeah it's um you'd love a guy that just as soon as you draft him, he's going to walk on the field as that dude uh, at wide receiver, and so that—that's the way I would go with it. That's that would be my my top choice. What do you got going on music wise? Obviously, it's a tough situation with the pandemic. Any projects you want to plug right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm working on a lot of stuff. It's it's incredibly frustrating. Obviously, it's frustrating for everybody Certainly. in the whole world. Um, but we really like cannot do our job um in in almost every traditional sense of doing it and i think that you know this but touring is isn't just like a part of the equation it ostensibly is the equation uh now in in the age uh where records are no longer really like record sales are no longer really a factor in your like career um in your ability to to pay your mortgage it's it's pretty much all touring and the record is almost like advertising for touring um and so we're we're working on a couple different things one thing i'm working on is i have a solo record that is going to come out in the first half of this year and i'm reticent to say a release date yet because everything like i mentioned it earlier with the the neon signs we had some problems with um sweatshirts just supply chain issues are widespread right now and so i'm trying to not totally commit to a release date but i think in the first half of this year i'm going to release my first ever like solo record under my own name um and there's this kind of interesting story about it but i don't again i don't want to get too into it until i like know when the vinyl is going to hit our store and be ready to ship out um you know wonder years is trying to write but we haven't felt like it was safe to be in a room together uh in a while like a responsible decision and so we've been trying to uh get together in the kind of a bubble scenario where we all quarantine for two weeks get tested and then enter a space where we can write together for like a week plus and we had that scheduled and then frustratingly someone tested positive luckily turned out to be a false positive but several days after the fact we found that out so we'd had to cancel the whole thing um so it's just kind of and then you know you hear at, at one point it sounds hilarious now but at one point last march when we were canceling the tour dates we thought we were going to be back on tour in may of that year and basically we've shifted that plan probably 10 times by now. Okay, we'll move it back to July. We'll move it back to October. We'll move it back to February. We'll put it in next September. And it just keeps moving. And every time it moves, a vacuum opens up where you have to figure out how are you going to continue to be engaging with fans? How are you going to continue to make music? How are you going to continue to keep people interested? How are you going to continue to keep the, you know, 
the fucking lights on at the at your house, right? Because touring again is the lifeblood of it. And so we've just been trying to get creative. We did some live stream stuff. We did the Upside Suburbia box set, which was planned all along, but it was planned to go along with a tour that we're not giving up on. We are at some point going to do a tour where we play the Upsides and Suburbia straight through every night. When that is depends on this vaccine rollout. You know, that's, uh, which is obviously frustrating. And I spent most of my day to day trying to figure out how to get my grandmama vaccine. So I know we're all frustrated about that too, but yeah, we're just, um, you know, the solo record is big for me trying to write one of your stuff, trying to plan and replan and replan, um, you know, and then also working with some other people like, um, I did a, I recorded a feature recently, uh, that's going to be on a new meet me at the altar song. I'm working with that band proper, um, working on their stuff, kind of like co-producing that and trying to stay busy in that way too. So it's a little bit of a lot of things. Um, but mostly it's just treading water and trying to, you know, rebuild the, the plans on basically a monthly basis. I would say once a month, everything falls apart and we have to think about it again. (laughs) Do you have a name for the song right now that you can reel? If not, I understand. It'd be a great platform to have a reel, though, I will say. We had your breaking news earlier on Herd, so we need some more breaking news. Breaking news. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't the record's called Other People's Lives, but I'm not gonna tell you anything about it yet. That's just that's what it's called. Oh. And then I'll tell you about Teaser. it when I know when it's I'll tell you about it when I know that it's um gonna hit our web store the day that I hope that it will. But again, it's and it's it's nobody's fault, right? Like they're just warehouses get shut down because of COVID outbreaks. Things sit in customs longer. Everything just is taking longer this year. And luckily I say this all the time. And I know every artist in the world is like, we have the best fans in the world. I really think that we have, a, you know, they're, they're awesome. Our fans are amazing because they're like patient and thoughtful and understanding. And so when we send them an email and say, Hey, we know you ordered that thing six weeks ago and we know that we promised to ship it to you three weeks ago but we still don't have it yet and we're super sorry you know i think that a lot of people might get a response that's like how dare you like fuck off i'm canceling my order and never listening to your band again and our fans are just like i get it it's tough right now i'll be there on the other side which is just like i don't know maybe sometimes makes me cry i don't want to say it but (laughs) it's just they're just they're awesome they're awesome people they're awesome people and the support that they've shown us uh, through the course of a really difficult period of time um, is not just hard because we can't do our job. The other thing that's hard for me is it's also the thing I love most in the world. And so I'm very lucky to be able to say that about my job. Not everyone gets to say that. A lot of people have a job that is their job and then there's other things they enjoy. Mine happened to be entangled, which is truly amazing. Same. 99.9% of the time, but when you Correct. get it taken away, it's not just, oh my God, how am I going to, you know, I have this like toddler, this new child, like how am I going to make sure the bills get paid? It's also, oh my God, what do I do f- for enjoyment? <laughs> that was the thing I did that I liked. Yep. So that gets tough. Luckily, the Sixers are a lot of fun right now. So <laughs> that's getting me by. Yeah. And beat MVP to you? Feels like it to me. I, I mean, I don't see anybody that makes a more compelling case right now than Joel Embiid. No, not even close. First, first time, first team All NBA selection, MVP, Shake Milton, six man of the year, post vaccine. Oh, you got something riding on that, huh? Yeah, I mean, just like a five dollar bet that, but it, I'd win four hundred <laughs> or whatever. I think so. Into it. I'd love to see it. Shake has been playing 
um i mean the thing about watching shake plays it's like it's almost the same way i felt about markel i don't know i'm just rooting him on it just feels like when you know obviously markel came in there were all these expectations and then there's the injury yeah. when markel hit the the three in that one game where he finally took one and it hit it i lit i like screamed in my living room and obviously it's not the same thing for shake like he doesn't have that problem but it just feels like kind of an underdog story to me for some reason with him and i'm just kind of always rooting him on and um and i you know what i feel a little bit the same way about ben like i get really hyped for ben <laughs> like when he makes free throws that he should make that like anybody else would make but like clutch end of the game free throws for ben i get like hype for him i'm like that's what you do that's how you do it buddy so I don't know. I get a a little too emotionally invested in some of these players, maybe. No, you're not alone there, pal. Certainly not, especially when it comes to the Eagles deal. All right, man. Well, um, anything else you want to get through today? Or I can hear uh, my, my kid running around upstairs. He's waiting for me. So I'm going to run back up. Yeah, go take care of your kid. That's I right, appreciate you. Thing. Thank you for the conversation. Dan, Love to talk to you. Thank you so birds. much for coming on. Follow you at, what is it, Head Above Water on Twitter? Yeah, Twitter's Head Above Water. Instagram is uh broom people i know i should have picked things that had my name in it it's just yeah literally when i signed up for both of them i figured i'm never going to actually use this it's just to like read or look at other people's accounts and then you know here i am so bro when i look at instagram and i see this broom people person i'm like who the h is this person when i'm watching their stories and then i click on i was like oh it's it's soupy i know i don't and i have a nickname right like it's not like you have a good nickname that you could make a brand off of. I know. And instead, I was like, what if I just name it after this Mountain Goat song? Because I'm never going to post from it. So, uh, well, is what it is. Um, it's the hole I've dug for myself. It makes me hard to find, but that's where it is if you're looking to find it. Awesome. What are the Wonder Years accounts on Twitter? Uh, the- Twitter, we actually have the Wonder Years. At the Wonder Years, we got a hold of it. Um, and then Instagram is the Wonder Years Band. Um, Fantastic. and then there's, uh, you know, my solo stuff's going to be under my own name and, uh, Aaron West in the Roaring Twenties. Is it, yeah. That's, this is Aaron West. All right, Dan. Thanks awesome. for coming on. Appreciate you, man. Go Thank birthday. you very much. We'll for the have, you on, we'll have to have you on after the draft and we'll talk, you know, how about they took a offensive guard from North Dakota state in the first. <sighs> oh man. All right. Well, here's hoping I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Oh, T-Man.